Yeah. So, uh, so I believe that we for... can start. Yeah. Sure. I'm just going to begin now to the call. Um, and just to, to say that today's call is kind of special because we're, we're basically, um, we have five, I suppose, countries uh, reporting back on a fabulous paper that was published as part of the European Journal of Teacher Education. And um, so implications for European physical education, teacher education during the COVID-19 pandemic across institutional SWOT analysis. Really timely, really interesting. Lots of people on the call dying to hear you. So I'm going to stop talking for a change. And I'm going to keep an eye on the chat and uh, just to see the types of questions coming through and welcoming all of the colleagues that have been involved in this really important paper. So I'm going to hand it across maybe to Wesley, if that's okay. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Fiona. And um, I'll just share my screen again. And Fiona, if you don't mind, you just might confirm that you can see that again. So. Of course, of course. Yeah, I can see that, Wesley. It's perfect. Great. Thank you, Fiona. Um, okay, uh, good afternoon, everyone from Ireland. Um, I, I could try and guess the different time zones across the call for the range of countries that are on, but in Ireland, I can only say good afternoon because it's 1pm Irish time at the moment. So um, first of all, I'd like to thank Fiona, Mark and Cassandra for giving my colleagues and I the, the platform to present uh, some recent relevant research findings in the area of physical education, teacher education. And to do this as part of the ISEP Connect uh, platform is such a wonderful opportunity. And it's very rare in my time since I've moved to the online world that I can actually swipe through a list of countries and see such a range of a global kind of platform. So thank you, Fiona, Mark and Cassandra again for setting this up and giving us an opportunity to present some, I think, really recent uh, and relevant findings in terms of how we're dealing with our teacher education programs through this public health pandemic. So if I may start um, the title and today's presentation is approximately 25 minutes um, there or thereabouts. So the title of today's uh, physical education talk relates to European physical education, teacher education during the COVID-19 pandemic. And um, my name is Wesley O'Brien. I was one of the, the authors on this paper and I'll be presenting with, again, one of the lead authors and a colleague of mine in University College Cork, uh, Joao Costa. Um, my background is in physical education and coaching science. And I have a deep appreciation this year in particular to try and deliver meaningful physical education, teacher education and uh, this is very much the lived experience today, I think, and um, some of the findings that you will hear. So I'll just briefly pass you over to Joe, my colleague, who will also be presenting as well today. Uh, good afternoon, everyone, also from Ireland. Uh, it's, uh, as, I was, as I was saying to, to Mark, it's really a pleasure to see the ISF family connected, especially in a year uh, when we didn't have the opportunity to, to run the, the ISF um, conference. So it's really nice to, to, to be part of, the, of this specific session of ISF Connect. I followed others. And I think it's a, a, a really nice way to keep the ISF, the ISF community and the ISF family um, connected and alive until we are able to, to meet again uh, in the face-to-face. -face. Uh, my name is João Costa. Um, I work with Wesley uh, and uh, some others. Uh, Manolis is here as well. Fiona uh, here as well. We work together in the program. And it's just uh, a pleasure uh, and a privilege to be here to, to share this, uh, this research uh, to the ISF community and particular, particularly to have had the opportunity to do this with a range of esteemed colleagues uh, in Portugal, Greece, Finland, and England, uh, as well as here in Ireland. So it's really uh, an honor to be able to, to work with everyone. And I want to thank Wesley for leading the, the paper and uh, for putting us all together. And now we look forward for the next stages uh, to, to have some sort of follow-up. And we would invite maybe from the beginning uh, for, uh, for other, uh, other uh, peers um, to, to join us if, if you have ideas, things that you would like to share or opportunities that we could do together. I think it would be a really nice follow-up from what we're presenting to, today. So, Wesley, uh, over to you. Okay. Thank you, Joao. Okay, just briefly uh, start because I do see some Irish colleagues. Uh, hello to you all as well today on the call. Um, but just to share with you, I guess, where myself, Joao, Fiona and Manolis are actually positioned in Ireland. Um, we're just located down in the south of Ireland, um, a large area in, in terms of the Irish kind of surface area, County Cork, and our university is quite close to the city centre. So that is where we are positioned, even though we're not sitting there right now um, at the moment, given the circumstances, but 
we do hope, given the, the way things are moving, that 2021 will be a, a little bit more opportunistic for face-to-face -face interaction. And we look forward to going back to our university campus, like I guess a lot of our colleagues here today that are maybe working in third level education uh, or institution settings. So uh, we look forward to returning to University College Cork in due course. And I guess the focus of today's talk um, is very relevant to the ISEP family and community. Um, the title of this presentation was Implications for European Physical Education Teacher Education During the COVID-19 Pandemic. And we took a relatively uh, pragmatic but novel approach by undertaking a cross-institutional SWOT analysis. So four of my colleagues in University College Cork um, were on this paper, Manolis uh, Adamakis, who is joining us, and Niamh O'Brien. And then we had a range of colleagues from the University of Birmingham. So we have Kiki Makapulu, we have Frank Herald, and we then have in Portugal, Professor Marcus Onoff and Joao Martins. And then we have our Greek colleague, Aspasia Dania, alongside Kwok from Finland. So we have five very, um, very established physical education, teacher education providers, and it's great to have that range of um, European collegiality on this paper. So listening to Joao, uh, who serves on the editorial board for the European Journal of Teacher Education, we are delighted to hear that this paper has received quite a lot of attention already in terms of its readership and some of the statistics that uh, journals share, this paper has seemed to be doing quite well. So I would encourage you all, uh, it's publicly accessible, it's free to download and the DOI, DOI link is available here. So. We're looking forward to presenting a snapshot of this paper today during our time. So very quickly, how are we going to break down the next 20 to 25 minutes? Um, we're going to highlight the introduction to the paper and the main research question. We're going to briefly talk about the methodology, but in particular, we're going to focus on the SWOT analysis approach and how we did this. I'm then delighted to share that we do have some of our uh, authors and colleagues who are able to present some of the results. Um, Joao uh, will be presenting on behalf of the Irish results, um, Joao Costa that is, and his colleagues in Portugal who are unable to join. Kiki is representing the University of Birmingham today to present the UK results. Uh, Kwok is unable to join us today from Finland and that, that notification came in 10 minutes prior. Uh, so I'm on standby to do that. And Aspasia is here to present the Greek findings, which is great. We're then going to have one summary slide in terms of the overall conclusion, particularly for Pete going forward, not to necessarily talk about maybe the conclusion of the paper, but more about what's the direction of our of our subject matter going into 2021. And then we welcome any questions and comments. <clears throat> so I'm going to just quick, uh, kickstart the introduction and research questions, and then I will pass you over to Joao. So we've broken down the introduction into two areas, one being physical education, teacher education, and then the other pillar that we looked at as part of the introduction was academic staff and students well-being. Because we believe, and we had discussed this at length, that in order to for physical education, teacher education to survive or possibly thrive within the COVID-19 pandemic, academic staff and students well-being had to be at the center of our decisions. And thankfully, all of our colleagues who were contributing to this paper deemed that an essential source. And that's very much reflected in the paper. So very quickly, there's none of this surprising maybe to us, we're all familiar, but we do know in terms of physical education, teacher education, that there were significant factors for integrating effective online teaching and learning in PEAT programs most notably between March and April for a lot of us on this call. And a lot of change happened for this online teaching world, but most importantly, the word effective online teaching. Um, and then some research from Golden Jones suggesting that we need to start thinking about modeling online instructional practices for our subject matter. And that was a huge challenge for many of us um, modeling physical education, teacher education through instructional practices online. And when we think that many of our programs uh, in this subject matter offer school placement experiences, even if we look at the September 2020 data in the global map below, you can see many countries across the globe are experiencing localized and countrywide school lockdowns or school closures. Okay, 
Thankfully, we are seeing some light blue and that is changing in terms of schools opening. But still, as of September, the data was suggesting that a large proportion of schools across the globe were closed. And then finally, to kind of move towards academic staff and student well-being. OK, we encountered an increase within complex program management issues, particularly around the idea of school placement and clinical experiences being disrupted. So not alone did that possibility of our one of our DNAs, if we want to call it that word, where we offer rich experiences in physical education, that was going to impact our staff by schools closed. But thinking of our student teachers on the ground who actually enrolled and registered as third level students, clearly an indicator that might affect one's well-being. Okay, so it was a really nice idea that we all got our heads together uh, early on in this pandemic, approximately May time, um, when we were about six weeks into this, and we saw it as the main research question, could we investigate the proposed measures of change, academic change, across five European institutions during the academic year that we're currently in? So it was very much a, a futuristic, if you want to call it that, hypothetical paper that was looking to the future. And we, we had this paper written, drafted, uh, went through numerous revisions, and it was ready for publication by August, just in time for the September start date in our five institutions across Europe. So it was quite timely. Uh, and I say the word lived experience, um, I think it very much res resembles that, 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 that phrase. So that's the research question and the introduction. I'll now pass you over to uh, Joao, who's going to present some methodologies and results. Thank you, Wesley. Um, the slides to, to the methods, Wesley, sorry. Um, okay, so uh, I'm just going to give a, a brief overview. Um, I've written a few notes, so I'll essentially read the notes that I've, uh, that I've taken here to make sure that we, uh, we stick to time. Um, so I, I just want to give an overview of the methods, uh, and then if there are other questions, then we can address any further questions uh, about the way that we've completed um, the, this process. Uh, so we start this as a multiple case study approach, starting with a single case analysis, meaning each case, uh, one of the PEAT uh, programs uh, slash institutions. Uh, and based on that single case analysis, then we move to that to the cross case analysis. Each PEAT team uh, decided who would take part uh, in the exercise. We um, recommended at, at least two people to, to be part. Uh, and you'll see in the paper there are different um, team compositions. So that was entirely up to each team to, uh, to decide who and how many people would be part of the exercise. Uh, it's important to note that the five PEAT um, programs here represented, um, they represent different contextual configurations of professional qualification processes, including, including academic degrees, to the extent that some are essentially undergraduate and others are compulsory master, professional masters of education. And they also represent different awarding bodies, uh, so, such as awarding, awarding, awarding bodies, uh, which are external or awarding bodies, uh, which are immediately related to the department of, to the respective departments or ministries of education. Uh, in terms of the actual SWOT approach, um, so just make sure SWOT um, stating for strengths, uh, weaknesses, opportunities, and, and strengths and threats. Uh, this approach was in, inspired by the book, by the recent book by Anne McPhail and Al Lawson. Uh, on grand challenges in physical education and phys physical education teacher education, where the, they provide a rationale um, on the use of SWOT analysis across a range of stakeholders and people um, from different backgrounds to identify and address these grand challenges. As well as I said before, this was a very futuristic view because this was developed between June and July, the, the exercise that, that we've completed, uh, looking ahead to the current academic year. So that was a very um, important source of inspiration and it's definitely, um, I would say it's a, a very important book for, for the times that we're living in. Uh, in terms of this, the data collection, this focus on what we consider, we consider to be the three pillars of, uh, of physical, physical education, teacher education, the program, the staff and the students, and we provide a general prompt. So you'll see in the, in the figure, the, the picture uh, above where it starts with pit institution, that was the general template that we used and that we provided to each uh, institution to complete. So you'll see that you'll, you'll find there the program, the staff um, and the students 
with a with a general idea of PIT program up, upkeep, upkeep and update for 2020-2021, uh, uh, the staff readiness for an engagement in the, the same year and the students readiness for an engagement in the, that same year. So for, for each of that general idea, we just provide the general prompts uh, suggesting that these are prompts, are their examples, but not exclusively uh, or only these. Uh, so that's what we provided. And there were no guides in terms of how to complete a tool. So some uh, teams could have chosen to, to, to do this uh, under a meeting or as a workshop or splitting the work. So it's in, it was entirely up to each team to, uh, the decision on how to complete the tool. We just developed and provided that tool. Uh, moving to, to the analysis part, uh, sorry, Wesley, uh, the SWOT served as a structuring deductive uh, approach to frame the themes. The topic and the topic debrief that you can see below uh, were inductively analyzed for the cross-case analysis to develop the sub-themes for each SWOT dimension uh, for each of that PIT um, components. And each team identified uh, the relevant in institutions where it was present. And this is the, the figure below. So where, where you see for each of the themes, uh, I, uh, IPEGF standing for Ireland, Portugal, England, Greece, and Finland. This means that in this particular case, all, um, all programs uh, represented or reflected that particular uh, strength or weakness uh, or, uh, or other dimension. And to finish, the triangulation of researchers, the peer, de peer debriefs and member checks uh, sustain the trustworthiness uh, of the research. Um, well, we can now move to the findings. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm starting here with Ireland and just for context, we're a program in the School of Education with five and a half full-time staff uh, over a four-year course with 270 credits. Uh, and this is a program which prepares teachers of physical education along with another subject. Uh, in Ireland, the teachers are trained at the undergraduate level for over four years or at a professional master's of education level for two years, which follows a three-year program, uh, which has to complete a minimum of 90 credits uh, on physical education. Um, specifically on the findings, starting with the strengths, um, I would like to highlight uh, three elements here. First of all, that the program and staff, the external links with the PEAT national and international networks uh, were a definite uh, strength, which was easily identified. Then some institutional strengths uh, related to the learning man management system uh, and the staff ongoing, uh, the reshape of modules. So we were, we, were, we were already discussing some of the reshape of modules, looking ahead to the accreditation process. And then in terms of staff and student strengths with the embrace of the, of the new technologies, uh, which everyone was very much willing to, to do. When we look at the opportunities, uh, we found that the current scenario was seen as an opportunity to improve the digital literacy and enhancing the curriculum pedagogy and assessment in physical education, teacher education, specifically because the, the amount of technology present was, uh, was very reduced to, to the minimum. So this obviously pushed us to, to look at that as an opportunity. Then the other was to develop the community in an online environment as a new learning. So we were relying so far in the face-to-face -face, and now we want to keep developing that community we need to find new ways to do that in the online environment. And lastly, on the opportunities, uh, it was a, a, around the range of emerging resources from multiple partners and stakeholders relevant to PEAT. Uh, for instance, the resources coming from the PE professional community with the professional association or professional development bodies and so on. Uh, Wesley, thank you. When we look at the weaknesses, uh, we found in our program that staff and students digital and ergonomic equipment was not at the same or an ideal level for preparation. Then we looked at the, the time, um, at that particular time when we completed the, 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 the exercise, we didn't have any institutional norms or policies for, the, for this coming year. Uh, and this, this was leading to some uncertainty and some anxiety while we were seeing that other, part, uh, other, other Irish counterparts were already making important decisions in terms of the structure for their programs in 2021. And lastly, on the weaknesses, the amount of novelty created additional time constraints for training and preparation for both our staff and our students. And essentially, technology was being considered as an obstacle to prepare quality teaching, but also for the students to demonstrate their best learning because they could, they could be dealing with the learning of technology rather than learning the actual learning outcomes uh, from specific modules. Uh, lastly, uh, on the threats, we found that the distance element was, um, 
was, was an important threat uh, that could impact the pastoral care in student well-being and our staff and student relationships. We found that so many unexpected and uncertain impacts from financial challenges which were arising. And we found a potential compromise of the school placement learning outcomes relative to logistics in terms of setting up the school placement, but also on the delivery and the assessment uh, of that school placement component. Um, I'm moving now to, to Portugal. And again, I apologize, I apologize because I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not going to be able to provide more specific details. I've been away from Portugal for three and a half years. So I'm trying to, to report essentially from, from the PowerPoint. But just for context, uh, this is um, in terms of the Portuguese uh, case. This is an entire faculty of sports sciences along with other disciplines such as dance and special education. Uh, and it, particularly here, this is focused on a compulsory professional masters of education for all student teachers. So anyone in Portugal wanting, wanting to become a teacher, they need to go through a professional masters of education after a three year um, specialized course uh, in the relevant subject. Uh, this, was this particular exercise was completed by a pair of members in the education department, which is the, 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 the department responsible to coordinate the PME program uh, for physical education in this institution. So the strengths that our colleagues highlighted um, in terms of the program, uh, they were already using a range of, technology, of technologies and there was already a current level of digital preparation uh, with, the, with their learning management system. The PEAT staff in the entire faculty, they created a coordination group to support uh, all of the staff. And the students were showing knowledge and dispositions towards the use of technology for learning. So some of these things were already present or, or were created uh, looking ahead to the current year. Uh, when they share with us some of, some of the opportunities, they focus on the program to develop new pedagogical approaches with ICT, as well as requiring further improvements in that ICT structure and students um, improving their hours of autonomous work and engagement with, uh, with the online learning uh, methodologies, for instance, problem-based learning. When, uh, where's the next slide, please? This is the last one for Portugal. Uh, when, uh, when we look at the weaknesses, they shared with us the program reduction of face-to-face -face contact as well as with higher level postgraduate students. So there, there tends to be a connection between the PMEs and, post, and other postgraduate students contributing to the program. And critically, they highlighted the decrease of experiential learning opportunities in the program and through the PEAT program uh, for the students. Uh, then they also referred as a weakness, the unequal staff preparation. And lastly, the loss of authenticity for students, the, for students, the loss of authenticity of assessment uh, and their potentially limited equipment. Uh, to finish the, the threats on a Portuguese case, they shared with us that what is now an emergency in the context adaptation, they are concerned as a threat that this might become permanent purely for financial reasons leading to the staff uh, reduction uh, or other decisions purely for financial pur purposes. The level of the teacher candidates could uh, preparation could also bear an impact in the future of the profession as they lack those fundamental learning experiences, experiential, and the staff and student well-being was also deemed a potential important threat uh, for the Portuguese state, uh, case. Thank you, Wesley. Thank you, Joe. I'm just going to now pass you over to Kiki to present the results from England and the University of Birmingham. Yes, hello. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, just a, as a background, in England, we typically have a three-year course, undergraduate course, and then one year of postgraduate um, training here. Uh, but I will focus today on the approach the university has adopted as a whole, because that provided the context in which we sort of operate. And the key strength was that as the world and England was moving towards um, lockdown, um, the university led by our own Kathy Armour developed an emergency education framework, and that was put in place really relatively early on, uh, talking about how teaching assessment um, will change in this context of COVID. Um, so that was put in place promptly um, with a key consideration of ensuring uh, resilience so we can deliver everything um, with, um, with the available resources, but also high quality student experience. And this was a strength um, and also an opportunity because the first bullet point of opportunity is that all the changes that were introduced in the curriculum assessment 
internet learning were not done in response to COVID, just to go through um, what the COVID, the new COVID situation uh, requires, but rather with the vision of what, where we want learning to take, you know, how we want learning to take, to take place in the future. So it wasn't a short-term solution. They saw that as the opportunity to change the way um, the, the, the different programs are being delivered. In terms of the infrastructure, the strength is that we already had um, a sufficiently well-developed online structure for teaching and learning using Canvas and other modes. Um, and linked to that, the second bullet point of opportunity, we always we have always wanted to do like a flip flipped classroom approach with online pre-recorded stuff and then face-to-face -to, -face to be very interactive. And we saw that as an opportunity uh, with COVID to implement that um, quite promptly. promptly. And over the summer, there was a lot of support from the university in terms of upskilling staff. There were, there were weekly um, meetings on how to move teaching online. And that was a clear strength because you felt that there was a lot of, there were many working groups working towards how providing their available resources uh, to the staff to deliver that. And the opportunity within that was that there is the chance to um, see um, COVID as the opportunity to uh, develop, to be innovative in our practice um, and to explore how we can develop learning material uh, in a way that is very engaging for, for students. Uh, Wesley, yeah, and then with threads, obviously, many of the things that I've mentioned could also be perceived as threats or weaknesses. Um, but obviously, an immediate threat was the student recruitment, which didn't affect us this year, um, but it might next year. Obviously, the a lot of online learning um, put a threat on, or, you know, of, of, of the authenticity of the experience and the, you know, the way students engage. Uh, that was what we were thinking the summer. Um, but we have different views now. I mean, that's, at the moment, probably the way students engage is unexpectedly really positive uh, with the online component. Uh, and obviously, the, uh, the other thread is all that pedagogical innovation and um, impact this probably has on our time for research because we have we have to think afresh, redesign the modules, the curriculum, um, and that requires a lot of planning and a lot of time uh, delivering that. So this year, there are there is this thread of uh, the available time for research. Uh, and the weakness is obviously the school closures. Uh, we didn't actually know in the summer what to expect for September, whether schools will be open or not. Um, they are at the moment. Um, and all the resources, you know, especially in terms of time required and the pressure on staff, as I said before, um, and the, the, the heavy online component, whether this would, would, would be a weakness. So just a very brief comment. So far, term one, semester one has gone really well. The students engage really well with the online component. Uh, the, the placements are in place, and we, we have, I think, we have a relatively good balance between the online and face-to-face -face, uh, interaction with them. Thank you, Kiki. And um, as I said, I, I am now an adopted citizen of Finland for the next ninety seconds. I've always wanted to go to Finland, so this is my closest opportunity, I think, today to do that. So. Thank you, Kwok, for offloading this task on me 10 minutes before. So he was under pressure. And um, okay, the strengths and opportunities, just some background on the Finland context, everyone. This is a, an, um, a little bit different to maybe what we've heard before in the sense that this is a BSE program, uh, not a Bachelor in Education, and it's a three-year program with 180 credits. Um, and the leading authors, Kwok and his colleague, uh, are uh, either postdoctoral researchers in physical education and a university academic member of the, the faculty who, who's working. So in terms of the strengths, and I'll just go through these really quickly and we'll finish with our Greek colleagues. Uh, the strengths of their program is the duration of the program is year long. Their program is part of the national affiliated curriculum and they have a strong adapted physical education focus. And I know Quark's expertise in adapted physical education is, is, is very notable in, in the program delivery and they have solidified teaching practice agreements in place. Some of the opportunities uh, that presented in Finland are the imaginative learning space that COVID-19 presents in terms of creating new pedagogies, and we've heard that already. They're very research active in their program, and they have an interest in research in terms of highlighting more student-based research opportunities. And obviously the, the, the classic example of this type of collaboration is an opportunity they saw and we all saw was the idea of cross-disciplinary collaborations for best practice. 
And here's one example of, of five countries getting together and putting cross-disciplinary collaboration in practice. In terms of their weaknesses and threats, um, given that it is a, a three-year program and given where it's positioned in the university, they see physical education, teacher education as a low priority within the larger teacher education program of Finland. They have few resources with a broad topic. And at the moment, uh, in terms of the students' enrollment within the degrees, it doesn't appear to be an appealing profession because there's a high possibility of course transfer over with their students in terms of changing. And the final threats, um, obviously the reduced contact teaching in PEAT is an obvious threat in terms of face-to-face. -face. They are talking at Finland level nationally that there would be a new PEAT curriculum. And is there a threat of too much digitalization? The field is naturally hands-on according to our colleagues in Finland. So finally, I'll pass you over to Aspasia Dania from Greece. Hello, just uh, some background information for us. We are a four-year program. All graduates can work as PE teachers and uh, in primary and secondary education. Uh, we are a self-governed public university, so student enrollment rates are not affected. Uh, however, uh, concerning physical education, teacher education, I think that one major strength was the creation of a community of practice during the previous years. Uh, which uh, supported uh, teachers during uh, the COVID uh, lockdown and uh, also some opportunities that seem to be developed uh, during this uh, new circumstance is uh, students and staff um, developing a new orientation concerning teaching with uh, communication and support from experts or professors that are already participating in our modules or online programs. We found the opportunity to open up our networks, uh, not only between staff, but also with staff, students, and uh, physical education teachers. And uh, we're also a member of the European uh, Civis uh, University. So I think these are opportunities that uh, we had not taken into account uh, before. Uh, now, uh, Wesley, as far as uh, the weaknesses and uh, threats are concerned, we have a, a lack of supportive infrastructure and uh, digital work culture. So uh, this uh, emergency remote teaching circumstance uh, got us all of a sudden. Uh, we couldn't align uh, our courses with uh, pedagogy and digital pedagogy and uh, also due to the fact that our uh, student teachers are used to spoon-feeding teaching. Uh, most of them are coach-oriented, have a coach-oriented uh, philosophy, so they still cannot get used uh, to the COVID uh, circumstances. And even though we, our university opened up and we started working in September, now we are again in lockdown and everything is online, uh, as well as um, physical education in primary and secondary education. So uh, students uh, now have uh, lower attendance rates than before. They, I think they are very tired with this online attendance. And uh, we uh, they, I'm afraid that um, if we don't uh, take up uh, new measures and uh, focus on uh, new experiential forms of learning, even though being digitally, we, we will lose our interaction and uh, develop a low morale of communication. I'm also afraid about what will happen with the practicum and hands-on experience. I am uh, in charge of a practicum, of our students' practicum in primary and secondary education, and I see some threats there. I'm trying uh, to update my pedagogy and uh, my supervision of practicum, although being online and setting up new communities of practice with uh, supervising teachers. But uh, I'm worried about our uh, concentration and uh, behavioral mental health problems because we spend too much time online, uh, which makes us uh, a little bit, I may, it makes me a little bit worried about uh, what will happen in the future. Thank you. Um, we're just coming to our final slide and in terms of our take home messages for Pete. And I think it's important at this stage, obviously, that was a brief snapshot of five countries identifying strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats. So there is quite a lot of data and quite a lot of thinking went into, um, into the results of this 
specific paper. Imagine trying to synopsize that into a critical discussion. Um, we had fun is the only way to describe that um, when we got there. So I've tried to put a final fun slide that summarizes things uh, into five areas. So the first picture I draw your attention to is the two faces you see in the top right and our first conclusion. And this, our conclusion, I should say, is an area of commonality that we would have all agreed was a collective uh, area that we could conclude together. So we need to embrace the use of online technologies However, the practicum or face-to-face -face experience of physical education is critical. I don't think any of the 60 people on the call today would argue against that statement. The second uh, picture I'll draw your attention to is the smiley and sad faces down the bottom left. And there is a general fear from our colleagues on this paper that the forthcoming student experience uh, due to a lack of physical contact with our peers may impact the way we deliver our programs. The third one is the picture in the middle where you have the hybrid right in the middle with the light bulb. Obviously, we realized in all our programs that not all academic staff at the time were up to speed in terms of the delivery of course material in an online or virtual world. And that was a big conclusion point for us in terms of our, our, staff, our, our staff capacity to deliver this type of subject matter in such a, in such a new and un, untouched area. Um, the fourth picture I'll draw your attention to is the word support. And interestingly, every all of our colleagues would have felt that institutional, in, institutional support locally for meaningful physical education, teacher education delivery is again of critical importance at a local level to ensure that our subject matter has a space in the university during COVID-19. Okay, and that was really important. And finally, the, the word aha, I probably could have found a better image, but it's funny, you, you sometimes find images, but aha is the light bulb moment, uh, finally to conclude. And we all agreed that as part of physical education, teacher education, if we find novel methodologies to meaningfully engage students within physical education, we can share best practice. And if we have new novel methodologies, the world is our oyster in the sense of physical education because we're only just touching into the surface of this and we're all at the moment approximately you could argue maybe 10 months into this kind of pandemic but realistically from september in all our cases here we're about 12 weeks into a full semester of rollout so thank you very much for listening to us today uh, and thank you to all of my colleagues uh, again who provided their slides and were responding to emails from me at at inconvenient times probably, but thank you again. And I hope you enjoyed uh, this, this, this short snapshot of our paper and you're very welcome to download the, the free accessible paper in your own time. So thank you very much. And again, to the ISA community, thank you. Bravo, um, really, really interesting. And if it's okay with colleagues, I'd like to now go to the chat and to pose some questions to, to the team of, of um, researchers who actually put this paper together. I'd like to also congratulate you on being so discerning to pull this group together and to look at um, the peat in a crisis at the moment it was unfolding. That's kind of really interesting data to have at this point, really helpful and very tenacious. So the very, very first comment is from Attilio Carraro and he's sharing another, um, I suppose it's a preprint of another study, um, which is across France, Italy, and Turkey. So adding to your five countries. So maybe Attilio, is there anything you'd like to say just at this point about that, that particular paper that could help our colleagues here and maybe broaden out our network even further? No, no, many thanks Fiona, it's not necessary to take uh, much time. It is a study we ran in France, Italy, and Turkey, exploring uh, how PE teachers were able to change their, uh, the contents of their teaching to promote a physical activity out of school. And uh, it is the first result. We are preparing another paper about this topic, and it is the preprint. You can download, uh, I think that uh, the PDF of the paper is here in the chat. If you are interested, uh, feel free to send me an email to know more details about our study. Thank you very much. Not at all. Thank you, Attilio. It's important to just flag that. Um, so a question from Mark um, to everybody, including the, those who presented today.
when facing the modification of courses um, and organization, did you notice um, spontaneous communities of practice uh, within your institution or between institutions? Did, did anyone notice that um, as something that came through in this very interesting period of time for Pete? I don't mind who takes it. No pressure. Um, Fiona? Ah, can you, lovely, Frank. Can you, How are you doing? Can, Good to see you. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm very well. Thank you very much. Um, interestingly, Good. I joined this one on my mobile phone because for some reason, this the message invitation and the password for some reason didn't work for me. <clears throat> on the computer really very odd because I just came from a from a, a number of zoom meetings I actually had with my students including with my project students just then and it works on the phone and not on the computer maybe that's deliberate just to show <laughs> <laughs> multiple <laughs> multiple modes <laughs> yeah just, just to show some of the sort of things we you know some of the curveballs that we've been thrown really uh, uh yeah. this year True. um Spontaneous communities of practice. Uh, yeah. Yes, a good number of them um, have been springing up. Some of them formal, some of them semi-formal, uh, sort of using university platforms and, and so forth. And some of them also informal. So I think my WhatsApp traffic um, with colleagues, um, constructively chatting, sharing ideas, solving problems, pointing out things that we've missed, um, that's gone up exponentially, um, yeah. including formal, informal, so WhatsApp, informal, uh, media being used, connectivity being there, including um, setting up uh, regular Zoom meetings actually with our colleagues, so Kiki, who's here at the moment, she's sort of sharing what we call our little bit of a survival team meeting yeah. where we're meeting up once a week and, and have sort of you know general discussions and 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 as much informal personal support uh, as much as sort of solving some of the professional issues that that are arising because there are plenty i think you know it's yeah. it's, yeah. it's probably, probably not the only ones uh, it's been yeah. a steep learning curve. Yeah. um it's not yeah. all milk honey that's flowing at all mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. realistically it's it's been about um really making sure that we guarantee the, the, the basic study entitlement of students. And I think that's yeah. what we focused on. I, I think yeah. we have mapped that. And it's really from surviving to thriving yeah. in many ways. Good point. And, and yeah. you know, to so many new skills for ourselves as well. I mean, even the, the things that sure. we are doing here and that I've been doing all morning, I would not have dreamt about doing these things yeah. at the, you know, at the beginning of, or at the end of, let's say, you know, the, towards the end of last academic term. So it's been rapid change. But yes, there are these community of practice, both informal, informal and, and semi-formal. So that's a really yeah. interesting thing of this. Yeah. Of, of this. It's, and it's, it's kind of, it could be an interesting space to, to look at, Frank. I, I think I'm just, I'm just going to pop ideas into people's heads as something that that could be looked at. Because what we've seen here with this paper is, we have a community of practice coming together and doing something to capture data and share practice. Then we have other things in parallel. So let's see what's possible here. This it's it's even the way you're reacting to an interface didn't work this morning and you just pop immediately to your mobile phone. So we're, we're being quite agile even in our responses to how we use tech. So in the interest of time, I'm going to go on to the next one. But Frank, thank you for that input. That's fantastic. Um, and what I'm going to say is the next one is um, just, oh, I'll, I'll skip my own one. Um, so Aria, you made a really interesting comment there. Maybe you, you'd just like to say it to the group actually, it would be great to see you Aria, uh, just about quality of life. It'd be lovely to hear from you. So you want me to ask this? Uh, yeah, from please, okay, please. Yes, it'd be super because... just to hear you. Well, good to see everyone. <laughs> I tried yeah. to hide here behind the camera. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so stressed about this pandemic. <laughs> well, my point was that, uh, for example, impractically, normally during summer period, uh, teachers are working a lot and sending emails. And this summer was first <laughs> year ever when 
nobody sent anything because they were so exhausted about all the all the computers and because when uh, when we have been talking with staff members so uh being there behind the computers the typical reaction is to go out somewhere else not to work anymore with devices and i was really surprised that uh, somewhere some uh uh, teachers felt that this kind of working style um, increased their quality of life. So I think that it was a little bit opposite here in Finland. Maybe we are so outdoor people, but still, it yeah. was interesting yeah. to see that there are reactions are so yeah. Di uh, different. Yeah. So, so the paper is highlighting really interesting anomalies that we might need to investigate culturally, perhaps as well, mm -hmm. as to different cultures and how they respond and different um, stakeholders within the group as well, Aria. Yeah, it is. It's very interesting. Thank you, Aria. Um, I'm just no, going no. to continue through here. Yes, no. apologies. But yeah. If I may add to, to, to that. Of course, Flau, uh, of course. Thank you. There, um, there's one thing which I think it's important that uh, as well as you framed the paper at the beginning, this was a futuristic uh, vision. It was a lived experience, so they, they were not reporting that their quality of life uh, improved. Um, from from speaking to the colleagues, I think that the, the ideas there on the potential benefits for um, that could impact positively in the quality of life uh, were, for instance, less commute time. So I know, for instance, one of our colleagues, Joe Martins, uh, he lives the other way uh, across the river, and to be to arrive to the university at nine, he needs to leave home at seven. So he needs to cross the bridge for a specific period in time uh, yeah. or else you'll get bombarded with all, with all of the traffic. So that fact that he could do now that from home was uh, was deemed as potentially something positive. Sure. Also, that the fact that people are at home, there, it was also considered, for instance, that more time with family. So uh, it gives also more flexibility uh, to, to manage. Sometimes, I mean, we don't want to work uh, at night and so on, but... We know from reading other experiences with people who have um, who are home working or working from home uh, with the online, they also report that sense of more flexibility because sure. Uh, sure. they have different opportunities. So um, I think those are two important notions: the notion that this was futuristic, it was envis yep. envisaged, it could happen, and these yep. were potential benefits. I think it was also a positive way of looking. Uh, at, at the for the at this as an opportunity. I think that's yeah. where they were coming from. It's really important to yeah. just to clarify it. Thank you for doing that. Can I ask uh, maybe yeah. Dylan from? Yes, sorry. Yes, I'm just. Yeah, uh, absolutely. No, uh, I just have one small point, and I think Manolis yeah. uh, on, on quality of life from Aria. Um, we are actually this this team are getting together and looking at the quality of life, particularly from the student perspective this year as well. Um, I don't know, Manolis, if you'd like to just briefly share that, because it is important whilst we talk about the staff, the staff uh, quality of life and our working conditions, also the students to be in mind here. So Manolis, would you, I would like to share that if that's okay. Or... Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Just let me put on a shoe here and then I'll be back with you. Okay. Excellent. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah. So, yeah, right now, uh, with the collaboration of the other colleagues from the four uh, universities uh, in the UK, uh, Finland, Portugal, and Greece, we're trying to look into the well being of our students uh, and see how they are trying to cope with everything that's going, that's going on right now. So right now we have uh, set up uh, a working group. We have decided to use a couple of questionnaires, online surveys, and we're going to capture, hopefully, uh, the, the perceptions of uh, our students in three different time points in December, uh, February, and April. Uh, and we're going to use a couple of instruments uh, to capture well-being, overall well-being, uh, resilience levels, anxiety, uh, probably depression, and also coping skills of our students. Uh, so this is uh, the project that we're trying to implement right now. Yeah, really important. And I'm really welcome as well. So excellent and excellent kind of progress um, looking at, at um, how students are surviving this, etc. Really, really important moment to get that data. And um, what I'm going to do now, Olivier, you have your hand up and I'd like, Olivier, maybe would you like to share your question? 
Thanks a million. Thank you, Minoris. Thank you. Yes. Uh, yeah. Firstly, I would like to apologize for my uh, bad English. Uh, secondly, uh, thanks a lot for the organization of the IOSEP and uh, for the communication of the paper. Uh, I have a little question. You analyze, uh, you, you give a very good picture of what happened uh, uh, during the pandemic uh, and the pandemic implication. But uh, what the evolution, did you feel an evolution between the, the start, the beginning of the pandemic and uh, then uh, the end, uh, it's never the end, but uh, about uh, technology accept, uh, acceptance or acceptability, about uh, teacher-student interaction, about uh, maybe boredom, because in France, uh, in my mind, it was, uh, the, the difficulty was totally different at the weird beginning Everybody wants to do something, but in his own, and uh, there yeah. is no coordination. And uh, uh, we use a lot of uh, different technology, and uh, there is not uh, um, uniformity. Uh, I don't know yeah. if yeah. it's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and the, yeah. then th that takes time. Uh, uh, yeah. So uh, uh, I would like to have your opinion about uh, your research or, or uh, what you leave about that. It's, okay. it's uh, so who, near, yeah. near the question of uh, the last question of uh, Manolis. It's, okay, uh, perfect. Thank you, Olivier. Who would like to, to answer that question? I'm, I'm happy to take it, but if someone on the team, team yeah, would like to, maybe. I'm very happy. Would, yeah. would someone like to before I? Okay. Well, I, I'm happy yeah. to take it, but if somebody else wants to take it, because I've already yeah. made a point. No, no, please, please do, yeah, Frank. There. You go, yeah, you please. go, Frank. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Great. I think one, one, of, one of the bits to remember, obviously, is the timing of this. So we did this <clears throat> relatively quickly and, and really quite at the beginning. So it was sort of, it was systematic, but it was also speculative. <clears throat> so we're really trying to look where, where are we and, and, where, where might we go with this and what sort of stuff could get in the way as well, which I think was was really uh, quite important. But we didn't have the time, and, and thanks to Wesley as well, to get this through so quickly uh, at that stage because it, it got published pretty quickly, and, and which was a, a good timing thing. But we didn't have the time to see the evolution through, which is why I, I think that's now and maybe where we're talking here as well, where it'd be good to to come up with some some good ideas and maybe some things we want to do on a on a follow up. So we've got a little bit of a a study plan to look at the effects on students, and that's sort of more of a psycho psychology questionnaire led thing, looking at health and well being. But there are lots of other things, in particular, to do with the learning experience, which is obviously something we we we're concerned about, and that's unfolding as we speak. But it, it's been such a disruptive process. I mean, this has been like industry innovation, hasn't it? it it's been a huge, just been a disruptor and we all had to really get off our backside, so to speak, um, in a sense that we've all, we'd always been talking about, oh yeah, blended learning is good and all this online stuff is good. But, but then we, we sort of did all the conventional things um, whether that's using the learning environment to facilitate the delivery of assessments and, and, and so forth, but nothing to the extent that we're doing it now. But it's, it's, a, it's a struggling catch-up, race ahead, catch-up again. Something comes from the side. Have we got the exam questions already ready because we have to deliver the assessments online all of a sudden? How do we guard against plagiarism in 24-hour exams? So it's coming really from all sides, doesn't it, of, of the process. And I think it's going to be really, yes, I think it's going to be really important that we capture this moment somehow, yeah. lest, we, <laughs> lest we won't forget. Um, it, it might yeah. not come back again, but it might yeah. come back again. You know, hopefully, yeah. obviously, we will in in a sense but yeah. yes i think yeah. it's really important but what are we actually going to do oh yeah it'd be probably one thing isn't it? i think it's also important absolutely yeah. so olivia thank you for posing that question a really interesting question and it's true 
Um, it's an innovation bubble, as I keep saying. Um, there are lots of threats, as our colleagues have, have, have raised with us, but there are, are many, many opportunities in this space for reimagining our subject area, but still holding true to the authenticity of it. It's a, it's a moment, it's a disruptor. It's forcing us to do things differently and rethink things. Now, I am conscious we have five minutes left and we have two things that we need to do in those five minutes. So what I would do is, if it's okay with you, um, I'm going to wrap the conversation, bring it to a close. Um, just to say to our colleagues um, that there's plenty of opportunity to connect with the colleagues who have presented today. Uh, there are other colleagues um, in Europe also looking at this issue. Um, and I'm really looking forward to, to your paper uh, that's going to be uh, coming up in relation to the student well-being and, and the impact on students. So I really like that this is the beginning of the story for this particular uh, researcher group. So well done to all of you and to Wesley for leading that paper. And in closing, I just have one thing to do and then I want to hand over to, to Mark, if that's okay. So what I, what I would like to do is I am just formally launching something today that I would actually like to, to share with you. So I'm just going to share my screen with you. It's going to take literally uh, two minutes of your time and uh, we'll just see how we go. So I'm launching today a concept called ICEP uh, Connect and it's ICEP Connect Plus. So it's adding to the ICEP Connect idea, which we, we, we began back in April, which was a, a space in which we could share um, share our knowledge um, as it was happening and as we were researching it to try and keep the ICEP family con uh, connected in some way. We are now launching an additional part to that, which is ICEP Connect Plus. And basically it's a virtual launch pad for new publications in the field of physical education and sport pedagogy. What we have noticed as an organization um, is that there are very little spaces for us to launch our publications apart from through Twitter um, or sometimes if we're lucky enough uh, to speak on a podcast. So we're trying to make this a little bit more um, structured and to give people an opportunity to share their work as it is being produced, okay? Very similar to today. So with ICEP Connect Plus, if you have a new publication, a book, an edited book, a report, a paper, um, that you'd like to feature, please contact Mark directly. Um, we're going to run these a few times a year, possibly six times a year, depending on how, the volume. It may be more often if we've got uh, more to say, uh, but certainly it's going to capture the zeitgeist around, uh, around our publication um, in this particular time, I suppose, and, and going forward. So essentially what, what this involves is authors will present their concepts. Imagine Graham Norton's couch, you present your concepts behind your publication, but also more importantly, how is your work going to imp impact the things that we're doing in classrooms, uh, teacher education, all of these types of things that, we, that matter so much to us. So it's going to give us a chance to share our knowledge and to really feed into this prosumer culture where we're producing and consuming our knowledge within the ISF family. And it's speaking directly to the mission of ISF, which is basically empowering our community of professionals in the areas of PE, sport pedagogy, uh, through, through dissemination. And what I'm talking about um, as the Secretary General of ISF is dissemination right into the classrooms, right into those young people that we are, are teaching, okay? So it's a way of getting our work out there a little bit faster and to a bigger audience. The very first one is going to be in, in uh, December, on the 18th of December. It's the Threshold Concepts in Physical Education book. Uh, that basically has colleagues from all over the world and many of whom are members of ISF, right? The majority are members of ISF. So going across 10 countries and at least uh, six time zones, uh, talking about uh, this particular topic. We have other books um, who are coming forward and, and are going to be contacting Mark directly as to how can their work be part of this series as well. Some really exciting publications coming forth and we just need to create this space uh, for this to actually happen. So um, please contact Mark if you have a, if you have something that is ready to be uh, published and that you, you really, you want, it's, 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 um, it's out there. You want more people to hear about it, etc., etc. Yeah. So thank you. And I'm going to hand back to Mark if that's okay for everybody. Yep. I just, I'll, sh I'll stop sharing in two seconds. Yes. Yeah. Well, then it's my pleasure to close this, uh, this session. 
it was the fifth uh, ISAP Connect, and uh, I can see that everyone is uh, always interested to share ideas. So thank you for those who organized this. First, I think to Cassandra, who will be able to go to sleep now. And then uh, thanks also to the group and uh, welcome to the next one. We try to share, uh, of course, on Twitter, Facebook, but also on email and uh, uh, also with uh, uh, our, um, uh, our messages from Brian. And please, if you have an interesting topic, do not hesitate to contact Fiona or me. Uh, it will be a pleasure to uh, open the floor uh, to you. Thank you to all of you. And uh, I hope to see you again next, next month uh, and uh, later. Bye-bye. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Stay safe, everybody. Great to see you. Bye. Bye. Take, Take care. care. See you in December. Right. See you in December. Well done, everyone. Bye.